Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So what was your favorite birthday? Does anybody have a favorite birthday? Yeah, what was your favorite, Tim? Seven. I got a <laughs> Seven. Mattel Fanner 50. A Mattel Fanner 50. Yeah, what is that? Six-shooter six cap gun, okay. Still got it. Do you really? Bring it sometime. I want to see it. You can come over. Oh, I'm coming over. All right. What was your favorite birthday, Levi? This year because I got a computer. You got a computer, right? Okay, so it's the thing that you received that made your birthday so great. Same kind of for you. It was a thing that you remember. What was your favorite birthday, Emma? Sorry, when you were 10? Okay. Bouncy houses and then giant naps. That is my kind of birthday. Right now, Gage, what was your favorite birthday? Uh, fourth birthday, I got a fourth. pile of dirt. Pile of dirt when you were four. Wow. There's a big... Mom and dad are like, yep, that really happened, so... Okay. I'm going to want to hear that story this week at staff meeting, so bring that home with you. Yes, what, what was your favorite birthday, Trina? Trip to the Grand Canyon. What year was that? Uh, it was about three or four years ago. Okay, so relatively recent. It's a good memory. What was your favorite birthday? Uh, my first one. The f- <laughs> <laughs> he literally said it was his first birthday. It was his favorite. Why? Because I was born. <laughs> okay. Listen, we are all very thankful for that. Jeff, did I see your hand up? What was your favorite? My 18th birthday. Okay. Election day was the day after, and so I got to vote. Oh. oh yeah. What, so what year was that? 1994. 94. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good times. And the, the election workers made a big deal out of it. It was cool. Okay. Well, very good. His first yeah. election, 18. Is, it's a big one for most of us. Uh, I'm trying to think. My favorite birthday, I think, was when I turned 21. Um, just... I, I, let's be very clear. I don't support alcoholism and I don't support drinking. Um, I just remember having a lot of fun that night. That's all I remember. It was wonderful. I do remember it. I do remember it. I remember being very loud and obnoxious, even louder and more obnoxious than I am on a regular day. What, okay, so what is the point of a birthday? To celebrate what? The birth, right? Like, so the point of a birthday is to celebrate someone's birth. It's the beginning of someone's life that we remember, right? Now, listen, we've all been invited, invited to birthdays before, all of us. Maybe your parents didn't tell you you were invited, but I promise you, all of you have been invited to birthdays, okay? Let that boost your ego a little bit for those of you who didn't think you had. You have all been invited to birthdays, and some of us have decided not to go celebrate birthdays before, Right? We've decided, you know what? I don't want to celebrate your birth, bro. I don't like you that much. Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Okay, sadly, all of us are like, yeah, we've been there. The idea of birthdays is to celebrate people and things that we love, right? So every year around the late October, October 28th to be exact, we celebrate the birth of this church. Community Brookside was birthed out of the love of Tulsa and especially out of the love of the folks in Brookside. Um, It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that created this beautiful church filled with you beautiful people. So we celebrate that as as an exciting moment in history. We celebrate everyone that we love and care about. We love to celebrate them. 
Birthdays are special and important, and today we celebrate Pentecost. So Pentecost is considered to be the birthday of the Christian church. Today we recognize that something shifted in the history of church and it went from a small group of believers who knew who Jesus was. They followed him closely. They were uh, about 120 in number, including the 12 disciples that he had and all of the followers. And then on this day, something miraculous happened. And I want us to read through that story. It's a long read today, but it's so important for us to understand the full context of the birth of where we are today, 2,000 plus years later. So let's read together. It starts in the book of Acts chapter 2. You can follow along on the screen. I invite you, if you have a Bible, mark in it, write in it, whatever you need to do, take notes. But the word of God is important, so let's hear it today. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So that will tell you how big the church was. They were all, everyone, together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So that one whole house was a house. Like that one place where all of the believers were in was one house. So it was a very small group of believers in that, in that time. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So every disciple, every believer was just blessed with the spirit of God in this moment. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. There's always those, those few people, right? They said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowds. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. 
Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are, are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he was received, or he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is an incredible vision of what the church was and is, and can be again. So as I mentioned earlier, they all were in one place. The, the group of Christians early on in Jesus' ministry, right after he died and ascended into heaven, it was not that big a number. There was enough people to fill a house, and that was it. And so they were all staying together in one spot because they were afraid they were going to be killed. They had just seen Jesus, their Lord, the man that, he, that they followed for the last three years of some of them. The last three years they had followed Jesus, watching what he did, listening to what he said. They observed everything about Jesus. They were followers in the ministry and mission of Jesus. And Jesus was murdered for that mission and ministry. So these followers of Jesus were afraid. They had locked themselves in the place where they had been staying since uh, the death of Christ, since that, that last supper and they hid, and they were scared. And then suddenly, a wind rushed through the place, and everybody heard it, not just the people in the house, but it said all the people in Jerusalem heard this wind, and they came to see what was happening, and that wind was the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was poured out on the disciples in that moment. And immediately, the fear that they had been experiencing like for the last 50 days left them. 
the fear that made them cower in secret and hide and be afraid, that fear was gone. And they got up and they began to speak in tongues. Have you ever been around uh, a church that has spoken in tongues or people who have spoken in tongues? It's an amazing and incredible thing. I remember I was young and I was Methodist. So, you know, Methodists don't encounter or experience that on a regular basis. A lot of Methodists don't anyway. And so I was in a very traditional, very, um, you know, uh, structured United Methodist Church and things like that didn't happen very often. But it just so happened that I started dating a young woman and her father was uh, a pastor of another non-denominational church here in Tulsa. And I went to visit her church after I had gone to my church. Uh, and so I went to her church later on, that later in the morning, and they were speaking in tongues and I was afraid because I had never encountered it. I had never experienced it. I'd heard that it's a thing. But when I experienced it in that moment, I didn't know what to think or to expect. It was strange for me. I, I, we live in a pretty monocultural country, don't we? I mean, most of us speak English as our primary language. Most of us... Uh, experience for, you know, in regional settings about the same kind of life for the most part. There are some definite big exceptions to that, but when you go to church, everything you expect to happen being shifted by the power of the Holy Spirit happened to me in that moment. I was probably 15 years old and it felt like God was speaking right to me because uh, the pastor interpreted the tongue and it was basically saying something like, there is no reason for you to be afraid. There's no reason for you to live in fear what I'm doing here is doing a good work around you. So be ready for what I'm doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're speaking right at me. And it was right around that period of my life where I fully encountered Jesus for real. So for some reason that year in my life, it was like the Holy Spirit broke through this shell of religion that I had. I was no longer just a youth in church, but I began to lead in church and began to set the example for folks in my youth group. I really began to experience the call of God's life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I imagine that same experience is what the disciples felt in that moment. That fear shifted and was gone and they got up and they began to speak to the people and it was miraculous because they were speaking and every person heard the word of God spoken in their own tongue. Every one of them could understand what the disciples were saying and they were blown away, right? First of all, I'm not gonna tell you that I've ever been drunk. I will never say that. But I imagine for somebody who might have been drunk, speaking in a different tongue is not a natural response, right? I can't imagine somebody who is drinking and then their response is to speak fluent Spanish or fluent French, French, or fluent Dutch. That's not a thing. I don't think that happens. And yet here, the natural response of all the people who are hearing the Galileans speaking in their native tongue are like, oh, they're drunk. That's a gift I think that I would love to have, you know, to be able to drink and then understand languages. But in this moment, God is delivering the word of God to all the people. No longer is the word of God set for Jews in Jerusalem in this very small area. So if you know anything about Pentecost, Pentecost in the Jewish tradition is a feast. So people come from all over to celebrate Pentecost. And so God-fearers, again, we've talked about this in here before. It's people who believe in God, who don't know who Jesus is. People who believe in God and are Jewish, but not 
Jewish. They don't celebrate circumcision. They don't celebrate the, or cele- I don't know you can celebrate circumcision. They don't, they don't uh, practice circumcision. They don't practice the dietary laws, a lot of them. But they do believe in God, and a lot of them do try to come to the temple to be around the religious ceremonies of the time. So they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know about this move of the disciples. And in this moment, they're delivered a word from the Lord directly in their own language. They've come from everywhere. And now, guess where they're going to go when this celebration is over? They're going to go home. And so now you have this move of the Spirit where it was the appropriate time and just the right time God reveals himself to these folks. And he creates 3,000 missionaries in that moment, people who become excited about what Jesus is and the meaning of his ministry, and they go home and they share it. The disciples and the new converts to the church began meeting together regularly. So we do that too, right? Once a week, every Sunday morning, a lot of us are here in church or we watch online. A lot of us dedicate some time to the Lord. But what's crazy about this particular story is that when the people celebrated together, it was like every day they got together. They ate in each other's homes. They got to learn about scripture together. They read the scriptures together and how that applied to the life of Jesus. They began to talk about Jesus and tell the stories of Jesus that changed people's lives and their opinion of what God can and is willing to do. Pentecost changed the trajectory of faith. It started something from the seeds of those 12 disciples and those who had followed Jesus and became a huge entity. They met together regularly to lift each other up, to encourage one another to live more like Jesus and to provide for any needs that might have arisen. They started something that lives on to this day, sort of. So again, let's read what the church looked like. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And this is, this is what I want you to hear. They enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church has always been about teaching and fellowship, right? Those are the first two things mentioned. Gospel and friendship. One of the things you might hear me say over and over again is, I think evangelism is important, but I think contextual evangelism is even more important. That means I don't know how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you unless I know you, right? You will never see Matt Morgan standing on a street corner with a Bible telling everyone they're going to hell. That's just not how I feel like the gospel is best projected. I feel like the best way for us to tell the world about who Jesus is is to know somebody and then to find a way to fit Jesus into their life. Well, here's, I believe that that God does incredible things and I know that Jesus can heal your hurt, your sickness, your disease, your addiction. God can do those things. Let me show you how God did that in my life. And we can have those stories one-on-one. 
the church has always been about gospel and friendship. I think that's one of the things that we have inherited here, that we believe in Jesus. And when we look around and talk to one another and ask about each other and spend time together, like I, I feel like a lot of us in this place really do love each other. For those of you who are joining us online, it's wonderful to see you guys interact with each other and be in prayer for one another on Sunday mornings. The next thing they talk about here in Scripture is that there was breaking of bread and prayer. Now, let's be clear. The breaking of bread is not necessarily the same way that we break bread in here when we do communion. That is a form of breaking of bread. But they're talking about eating together. Some of my closest relationships have happened because I've had lunch or had a beer or gone to a restaurant with somebody, and I get to know them intimately and personally. Those are some of the most wonderful times and stories in my life when I've sat down with somebody and really gotten to know them. And prayer. I don't know if you guys are anything at all like me, but if you are, sometimes prayer is not the natural reaction to the things that happen in my life. I'll tell you a quick story. I was in college, and I was very, very poor. And I was going to a private school at OCU. It's really expensive. Uh, I had a partial scholarship, but I was really nervous because after my first semester, my dad maxed out his credit cards trying to keep me in school. So I went into um, a friend of mine. His name was Jordy, and he and I talked about it. He said, Matt, listen, I know that it's tough right now, and I know you may not be able to come back to school next semester, but have you even prayed about it? And I was like, oh, my gosh. I believe in Jesus, raised in the church, a leader in my youth group, going to school for ministry, and I hadn't even prayed about it. So I began to pray. And the next day, I went into the financial aid office and said, listen, I, I really appreciate the scholarships I've gotten, but I'm going to probably have to withdraw because I can't pay for next semester. I said, well, let me see what I can do for you. Click, 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 click. I'll let you know what I find out. I got a phone call the next day. They gave me a full ride to school, paid for my books, paid for my fees, paid for all my tuition. And I do believe that the power of prayer is incredible. That's not always how it works out. It doesn't always happen that way, right, the very next day. But I, I know that God works through the power of prayer. And that's not our response half the time, right? We should be people of prayer. Absolutely, we should be people of prayer. And, and oftentimes, we just forget. We worry we tell somebody about it, they begin to worry for us, and we forget to ask them to pray for us. Friends, we have to shift that. We've got to be back to the people who are breaking bread together and praying for one another. Let's be clear, when the church began, the church didn't go on mission trips around the world, right? They didn't send out all these huge evangelists immediately. They had to develop a core of believers. They had to develop these folks that supported the ministry of what Jesus was doing. And then they did that later on, right? It wasn't much later on, but they didn't start that way. They didn't start by building giant cathedrals. They didn't start with stained glass windows. They started with relationships. And then scripture goes on and says there were wonders and signs that the apostles did that proved that God was who he was. That proved that Jesus was supernatural and powerful and his spirit dwelt among them. Those who led the church in the first century, those who led the church after Jesus passed and after Jesus went into heaven, after he ascended again, they led with power. 
And there was proof through the power of the Holy Spirit that they were genuine believers in Jesus. And God did incredible things through them. I believe that when the church of Jesus Christ is real and the church of Jesus Christ is focused on the ministry of Jesus, that the miraculous can and does still happen. I fully believe that. There's a story from this week. My dad has a friend, and he called me Monday of this week. He said, son, if you don't mind, can you please pray for my friend? She's been having some chest pain. And she went in and got an x-ray, and there's a nine-millimeter spot on her lungs. This person had never smoked. This person wasn't about, you know, doing drugs or, or alcohol or anything like that. Led, to pretty, led a pretty clean life in terms of taking care of herself, and now was facing lung cancer. So she knew that she had to go back to take more tests, and my dad asked me to pray for her between the time that she had gotten her original kind of set of x-rays read to her. And to prepare for what was coming next, they had to do more tests, they had to do a biopsy, they were gonna have to do some things that medical professionals do, I don't know all the details but I know that my dad asked me to pray for her. And so I joined not just my dad in prayer, but other friends of hers who were praying for her. And it just so happened that Wednesday morning, she had a friend that works at a hospital, so she was able to get into the hospital and get some more x-rays done, some more detailed uh, scans and things done. And so as they read her results, they were baffled. Because in just two days from Monday, when her results were revealed to her that she has a nine millimeter spot on her lungs, to Wednesday afternoon, they could not find a thing. I absolutely believe that God still works in miraculous and mysterious ways. And when we are people of prayer, we get to encounter those things and be a part of those things. Now, I'm not claiming that I have any sort of miraculous prayer powers, but I do know that God honors us when we pray and sometimes if our will is God's will, things work out. There's power in the church of Jesus Christ. So it says that the disciples and the new believers and the converts to Christianity, they held everything in common and they sold things that they had in order to make sure that everybody had enough. Oh, how different the world would look if we just made sure that our neighbors had enough. We don't have to sell everything we own to make a difference in somebody else's life. But it says they sold their property and some other things to make sure that everybody had enough. Friends, I have a lot of junk at my house that I don't need. Stop it. No, it's fine. No, it's good. Uh, I do have a lot of stuff in my house that I don't need, and I promise you if I sold half of that stuff, I could provide for a lot of people who have less. I just have to be willing to do it. Friends, we have to be willing to put our own needs aside to make sure that others have something. So the needs of people were met in the first century and not just their physical needs. They weren't just fed. They weren't just housed. But their spiritual needs were met as well. 
because there were people who were praying for them. They were in relationship with people. They knew each other well. Hear me when I say this. People cannot hear the word of God if they're hungry or without a home or don't know what to do to keep their children safe. We have to remember that this was one of the church's core missions when the church began. And we have to fight to keep that a part of who we are. Scripture goes on and says that every single day they met together. Listen, I love you guys. <laughs> I know that sometimes we need a safe distance. <laughs> but what would it look like if we met more often, right? I have to tell you, I'm going I'm to keep harping on small groups, guys. It's important. Because over the last couple of weeks, our small group has grown a little bit. Over at uh, Kim and Kyle's group, we've gotten to, to know younger people. We've gotten to see people who are graduating from college and coming to be a part of our church more often and more regularly. We're getting to see people experience growth in relationships in our church. And Jesus is beginning to do great things through those relationships. It's bonding us stronger together. And that's what the church needs. We have to be willing to spend time together. Tim invited me to his house. I'm coming over for lunch. Just made that up, but I'm doing it. Uh -oh. <laughs> Filet mignon is all I eat for lunch on Sundays. Oh. Just kidding. Um, so it also says that the believers in Jesus had glad and sincere hearts. And I think that is something that we need to hear that the believers in Jesus had glad and sincere hearts. And oftentimes when it's Sunday morning, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get up early and go to church. This is what church has become for us. Oftentimes it's more of a burden than it is a joy. And I think that if we were able to tear down some of these walls, some of these barriers that keep us at an arm's length from one another, I think we might enjoy church a little bit more. I think we might enjoy what God is trying to do in and through this group of people a little bit more. They were excited about what God was doing in that first century. They were excited about telling the world about who Jesus was. And now we're just like, well, I got to go to church again. Right? I want you guys to think about this. What would it take for you to be glad and sincere that church is happening? And then I want you to email me those things because I want to know what we can do to make sure that you are glad when you get here that you were sincerely excited about being a part of this church. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. I've told you the story in here before that when I first started my very first day in 2017 as an as a, a associate pastor at First United Methodist Church downtown, as we were beginning the plans to launch what Community Brookside was going to look like, I joined the Brookside Business Association. And my very first day on the job was the very first meeting I ever went to. Eight o'clock in the morning, I show up, nice shirt, start to introduce myself around. Hey, I'm Matt Morgan. I'm part of First Methodist Church. We have taken over the property that was Trinity, introduced myself around, you know, talk to folks. People want to know what we're doing. I don't know yet, but God has got a plan. So as we introduce ourselves in real time, right? So the beginning of every meeting begins with, hi, I'm the whatever, whoever the president of the Brookside Business Association is at the time. 
They introduced themselves and they immediately began to have everybody around the room introduce themselves. So it just so happened that I was the very first person that day that they pointed to, and you are, and so I tell them, my name's Matt Morgan. I'm uh, associate pastor at First Methodist Church, and we've taken over the property where Trinity United Methodist used to stand. And then from the back of the room, someone says, are you going to turn it into a parking garage? Somebody from the other side of the room says, no, old school bagel needs more driveway. The church had fallen out of favor with the neighbors right around its own area. And there was no need for another United Methodist Church in Brookside. They didn't want it. They wanted a parking garage and they wanted more bagels. But the church had no value for them. March 1st, 2017. We spent a long time developing the park out here, right? We spent a long time with small group meetings and planning and preparing and talking about what we were going to do and who we were going to be, what our identity was going to look like. We spent a lot of time developing and creating a space out here where families could feel safe and welcome and invite their children. We wanted to have events where people know that we cared about them. And then I kid you not, one year later, it was spring of 2018, and I was invited to come and speak at the Brookside Neighborhood Association because people began to know that we had family events out here. They wanted to know what Brookside Collective Park was going to host for them this year. So I went and I spoke. I said, we have just really enjoyed being a part of Brookside. We have loved your families and getting to see friends and family play together. It's been so great getting to know you. Here are some of the things that we're going to do in 2018. And by the time I was done, I felt like I had a standing ovation. It's like one of those scenes at the end of a movie where everybody wins and you're like, yes. And at the end of this time of you know, conversation and, and people being excited that we are now a church that is for them, the woman who was in charge of the Brookside Neighborhood Association gave me a hug and said, we are so thankful that you moved into the neighborhood. Friends, there are churches all over our country and all over our world who don't experience the favor of the people around them. I think if more people knew who we were, we would find more favor. I think the people who know about us love the events that we host. They love that they can feel safe here, that we're not going to preach to them and abuse them with the word of God. Instead, we're going to love them like Jesus told us to. And we're going to just continually invite. Come and see, come and see, come and see. How do we fix what's been broken for so long? When people look at Christianity, I mean, you guys have all heard the, the, the news, right? That less than 50% for the first time in America's history, less than 50% of all the people in all of our country go to church on Sunday morning. Half of Americans don't go to church because they, they think the church has no relevance for them. They, they don't want to be a part of something that seems to them to be hypocritical and sometimes racist and sometimes not of Jesus. How do we fix that? Now, I'm going to be very clear. We're going to mess up sometimes as a church. But I think we are on the right track here at Community Brookside. Friends, the church of Jesus Christ wasn't started by Jesus Christ. It was started for Jesus Christ. The church was designed from its very beginning to support people who needed help to love the unlovable, to reach those people that society had shunned and said, you are less than and we don't need you. 
Scripture reminds us that everything the church had was for everyone. It wasn't about tithing at that point to pay the bills or renovate buildings or make sure there was a good roof or keep the electric lights on. Money wasn't raised to to fix foundations. Money wasn't raised for stained glass windows. It was about making sure that people just had food. The church at that time wasn't about just hearing a sermon. It was also about making a difference in the lives of people who had no hope. When we celebrate Pentecost today, we are celebrating the best parts of the church of Jesus Christ. And we're finding ways that we continue to make the church better and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit equips each of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And this church is going to be a safe place for each of us to learn and to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And to be able to show people what love looks like. Friends, Pentecost is an annual reminder The church is bigger than just this one community of believers. That church is a worldwide thing and we have to live in response to the message of Jesus. So I'm going to invite you guys today to be the church. To look like Jesus, even when it's hard, even when you don't recognize Jesus, even when those those times come where you have lost your mind sometimes. Be like Jesus. Jesus, because the world needs a church that looks like Jesus. The world needs a church that looks like hope. The world needs a church that looks like help. The world needs a church that looks like the power of the Holy Spirit being manifest in its believers. So friends, this week and always, may each of you be filled with the Spirit. My prayer is that all of us recognize who God is, that all of us encounter the Holy Spirit and then bring the Spirit out of these doors to share with the world who Jesus Christ is. Friends, happy birthday. Happy birthday to us, the church. Let us go and be the church that the world needs. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.